been a while since I've been back at the crossing to share with you, but I always counted a privilege to do so, considering all that uh, Pastor Tim and this church have contributed to my journey with Jesus. Uh, it was here that I met the Lord, here that I first experienced the love of God through those who know him, here that a foundation of faith was established. And 20 years later, by the grace of God, um, I'm all grown up in the faith. Like People call me pastor now, but honestly, I'm still just a work in progress like everyone else. And 20 years later, and sometimes in certain areas, I still feel like that 16-year-old spiritual infant at the start of the journey. And there's lessons that I've learned and need to keep relearning, truths that I've grasped and allowed to slip away, sermons I've preached and failed to consistently put into practice. And I'm going to guess that I'm not the only one like this, that some of you know this same experience. You also need to relearn and refocus and be reminded. So I want to help us all to do that today with a topic that I need to keep coming back to again and again, because it's, it's so easy for me to forget what I know to be true, and to fail to put into practice what Jesus taught. I'm talking about the topic of worrying. We all know we shouldn't, but oh, how often we do. And this is definitely a season in time with a lot to worry about, right? This, this pandemic, our economy, our cultural and political climate, our churches, as we're all trying to stay connected and take small and safe steps forward. I mean, our kids, um, as we're thinking about what to do this upcoming school year, just to name a few things. And I know I should know and do better, but worry is one of those areas where I can still act like a spiritual infant. And as I say spiritual infant, I'm thinking about uh, what it was like when my kids were at that stage. I remember those, those moments when I would, I would hold them close to me. And the whole time that they're just wiggling and wailing and making a fuss, like either they were wet and needed changing or hungry and needed to be fed or they just ate and needed to be burped. And even when I was trying to do those very things, sometimes they'd be fighting and pushing and turning like they just wanted to keep crying. I remember thinking to myself, like, just cut it out. Like, don't don't you get that I'm here that I'm holding you, that, that I'm trying to take care of you, that, that I understand the, the needs that you have and I'm going to provide for you. And as long as I'm here, as, as far as it's in my power, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. You, you don't need to keep crying and, and wailing and wiggling around. I, I've got you. I, I love you. I'll take care of you. And now... In my walk with the Lord, I take the place of that infant in the loving arms of my heavenly father. Like I'm the one wiggling and wailing as I, I worry. And I'll, I know I'm not the only one who does this. And all the while, our heavenly father is saying, I, I've got you. <laughs> I love you. I'll take care of you. I know and understand the needs that you have. And I'm going to provide for you. You don't have to worry. You know, Jesus, he addresses this issue directly and shows how unproductive and inconsistent worrying is in the life of his disciples. 
during the Sermon on the Mount, he, he talks about how we are called to treasure God above all else and tether our hearts to him, storing up treasures in heaven rather than treasures for ourselves on earth, serving God rather than mammon or, or stuff. And that, that's really a, a tough ideal to live up to in light of all our earthly cares and concerns and needs. And Jesus knows what those are. Like he knows what it is to hunger and thirst and have no place to lay his head. He, he knows that as we live in this world, our cares and earthly needs loom large and make it hard for us to see heaven or God or anything else. Like we've got bills to pay and, and mouths to feed and people to take care of. But this is exactly why he immediately goes on to addressing the issue of worrying. Like he calls us to, to value and seek and serve God above all else and leverage the things of this world to impact eternity and bring him glory. And then before we can object like, yeah, Lord, that, that, that's true and great, but I also have to think about this, this and this. He immediately goes on to inviting us to increase our faith and trust that our loving heavenly father knows about and is faithful to meet our needs. He invites us to stop wiggling around and wailing and making a fuss and, and just focus on the one who's got us, who loves us, who'll take care of us. And I want to come back to a lesson that I need to keep relearning, and that is that faith in the loving provisions of our heavenly father frees us to focus on our walk instead of worrying about the things of this world. Like if we, if we truly trusted God, trusted his goodness and love, trusted his word, then we never have a good reason to worry. And we always have good reasons to pray, but we never really have a good reason to worry. So Jesus says in Matthew 6, 25, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. This is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes. And Jesus there, he commands us pretty directly as his disciples not to worry. Right? The, the word that he uses here means to be apprehensive or to have anxiety or be unduly concerned about something. Like worry, it involves a, a preoccupation of our mind, a, a captivating of our attention and a draining of our energy as we burden ourselves with the weight of our cares and concerns. And what we worry about then becomes all important and all consuming, which results in us striving in our own strength to secure and solve whatever it is. The same word is, is used in Luke 8 as Jesus tells about the parable of the seed and the soils. And the seed it represents the word of God that's being sown and the soil represents you know, human hearts and our readiness to receive it. And Jesus says in Luke 8, 14, he says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Like that's the danger of worrying on our spiritual life that Jesus desires for us to avoid. Worry has a way of choking out truth and trust as we turn our attention from God to focus on our worldly cares. And Jesus uses the same word when he's talking to Martha while he was at her house. And Mary is, is sitting at his feet, just kind of hanging on his every word. Martha was in the kitchen 
rushing around trying to get everything done, wiggling and wailing, like, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And Jesus responds to her in Luke 10, 41. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what, it's, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And all the things that Martha was worried about may have been important, but they just weren't of first importance. Though important, they, they were temporary things that, that took her attention at that moment away from Jesus. And so Jesus says, you know, do not worry about your life. Like even the basic things, what we'll eat or drink or wear, which again is important, but it's just not of first importance. He, he points out that life is worth more than these things because we are not just physical, we are spiritual beings with spiritual needs. Like man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And yet I, I can get locked into the bread alone stuff, thinking that life is primarily about my physical needs and my earthly concerns. And we worry about our finances, about our future, about our relationships, about our physical health. And as, as we do, our spiritual lives can, can wither as truth and trust are choked out by worry. And we, like Martha, miss out on the better thing that Mary chose. And this is a passage that I continue to come back to uh, because it's a reminder I need. And when I read it now, three questions uh, come to mind. Uh, questions that uh, I need to, to keep asking myself whenever worry wells up within me. Questions that I invite you to write down and ask yourselves whenever you are tempted to worry. And the first question is this. Why worry when I am worth so much to God? And worrying accomplishes so little. Why worry when I'm worth so much to God and worrying accomplishes so little? Like Jesus commands us not to worry. And then he uses this illustration to show how illogical and unproductive worrying really is. Uh, he says in verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And he uses this illustration to, to point our attention to God's provision. But it's not a, a call to be passive or inactive. It's a reminder to, to just trust. He prohibits worry. Not work. <laughs> like, there's a reason we have a saying, right, that the early bird catches the worm. Like, we understand that the bird doesn't just sit on a branch with its mouth open to the sky waiting for God to drop seeds in it. Like, the bird it utilizes what God has given it, its ability to fly and, and peck and dig to receive what God is providing for it. And in the same way as, as Jesus commands us not to worry, there's also an expectation that we should utilize our strength and our resources that God has given us to accept and take hold of his gracious provisions while trusting that he will indeed provide. So he uses this illustration of birds to point to God's great provision and also to point our attention to our worth. Like God graciously provides for birds and we are of even greater worth to him. 
This makes me think about the fact that we are created in the image of the Most High God. We are adopted into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. We become his children. He sent his son to die for me. So Jesus would say to his disciples here, like, your heavenly father. And if ever you're tempted to question the value and and worth that you have in God's eyes, you need only to look at the cross and see a powerful picture of Jesus with arms stretched wide, declaring, I love you, not this much or this much, but this much. So why in the world should we be worrying about anything when we are worth so much to the one who is sovereign and in control of everything? Along with that, Jesus asks the question, you know, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And obviously the answer is none of us. We can't add a single hour, a single second to our life by worrying. It doesn't solve any problems or improve our life in any way. Worrying doesn't accomplish anything of worth. And that's not to say that it doesn't accomplish anything at all. Like we do gain some things by worrying. And when we worry, we gain ulcers or high blood pressure and frazzled nerves. And it's ironic and sad to me that the, the very thing that we worry about, our life, is the thing that we waste and damage by worrying. It just doesn't make sense. And it has a negative effect not only on our physical, but also our spiritual lives as it chokes out truth and trust and stunts our spiritual growth, like the parable of the seed in the soil says. So the first question that I invite you to write down and and ask yourself is, why worry when I am worth so much to God and worrying accomplishes so little? Now, the second question is this, why worry when my heavenly father is conscious of my need and capable of supplying? Verse 28 says, and and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now there's a lot here, but the five words that immediately jump out at me every time I read this is, oh, you of little faith. (laughs) Because these words make it clear that the problem of a worrying is a problem of faith. Worrying shines light on my lack of trust, and I feel convicted just just saying that, but it's an inescapable truth. Dr. E. Stanley Jones, he once put it this way. He said, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I'm so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for air. We are inwardly constructed, he says, in nerve and tissue, brain cell and soul, for faith and not for fear. God made us that way. To live by worry is to live against reality. 
See, we worry when we lack faith that our Heavenly Father is capable. You might find yourself in between jobs at the moment, wondering you know, when your next employment opportunity will come. And you can either exercise faith, trusting that God is capable of providing for you as you cast your cares on him while doing your due diligence to put yourself in a position to recognize and receive what God will provide. Or you can waste your time worrying and working in your own strength to solve your problem, which will reveal a lack of reliance on God and a lack of trust in his ability to provide. Jesus uses the illustration of the flowers of the field in the same way that he uses the illustration of the birds. He wants us to recognize that our great God is capable and able of providing what we need. He provides food for birds that don't sow or reap. He clothes the grass of the field that don't labor or spin with a beauty and a splendor that exceeds that of Solomon himself. <laughs> Look what our heavenly father can do. Can we really doubt whether or not he's capable and if it's not his ability that I'm doubting when I worry, then it is sometimes his awareness or his care. Like the disciples caught in that storm on the Sea of Galilee running to Jesus. Like, don't, don't, you, don't you care if we drown? And we also experience anxiety and fear and worry when the circumstances of life are beyond our control, when we are surrounded by uncertainty, and when we're in great need. But there's never a moment when the Lord's not in the boat with you or when he's not perfectly aware of your predicaments that you're in. Like Jesus reminds us in this passage, your heavenly father knows that you need them. And if we believe this and still worry, it could be that we are doubting his care, not so much his ability or his awareness, but his care and concern for us. We worry and frantically work in our own strength because sometimes on some level we wonder whether or not God cares enough to work on our behalf. So you live as though you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, and since God is either incapable or unaware or uncaring, you have to carry it on your own. But let's not miss that throughout this passage, Jesus refers to God again and again and again as your heavenly father. As you wiggle and, and wail, you are in the arms of your heavenly father who says to you, I, I got you. I love you. I'll take care of you. It's like that old poem said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. But we do have a heavenly father who sees us as of great worth and works for our good and his glory. So the second question is, why worry when our heavenly father is conscious of our need and capable of supplying? Now, this brings us to our third and final question, which is, why worry about what my father will provide 
when he's called me instead to focus on my walk. And Jesus seems to indicate that worrying doesn't just reside in our minds, it's often manifested in our actions. What we worry about becomes all important, all consuming. It becomes, uh, for that moment, our highest priority and our primary pursuit, which, which conflicts with what he said in the previous passage right before this about valuing, seeking, and serving God above all else and storing up treasures in heaven. So while he calls us not to worry about our physical earthly needs, he also points out that those who don't know him not only worry about these things, but run after them. And yet we should have a very different priority in pursuit. So verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We are called not to focus on the worldly things we're tempted to worry about and pursue, but to focus on our walk, on our relationship with the Lord. We are freed from worrying about and pursuing the material things of this world when we are focused on walking with the Lord as of primary importance. Seek first. When difficult circumstances arise, when we struggle relationally or financially, physically, when we're tempted to worry about our kids, our country, our church, if we are focused on our walk with the Lord as a primary importance, then we are more prone to take these concerns to the Lord in prayer, laying down our burdens before him. When we're focused on our walk with the Lord and seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first, we are looking for how he's working on us and in us and through us in the difficult circumstances that we face. We will be praying, oh Lord, you know, how, how would you grow me through this? How can you use me in this instead of worrying about what am I going to do about this? When we're focused on our walk with the Lord, on seeking and serving him with a view on eternity, we will always have good reasons to pray. (laughs) We have needs, we face difficulties, we're, we're not in control, but we never have a good reason really to worry. So Jesus concludes by saying in verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will Worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As his disciples in this fallen world, we're not somehow placed in a privileged position or a bubble like the NBA is right now, where we never have to experience trouble. But we are placed in a privileged position, having been adopted into God's family, whereby we can rest secure in the soft yet strong hands of our Heavenly Father. As he holds us and reminds us, I've got you. I love you. I'll take care of you. You don't need to keep wiggling and wailing. You don't need to worry. Just just keep your eyes fixed on me. Trust me. Someone once said that the average person is crucifying himself between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. (laughs) And that may be you today. I pray that you would just hear the word of God now. In Philippians 4, 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, faith in the loving provision of our Heavenly Father frees us to focus on our walk instead of worrying about the things of this world. It puts us in the place of Mary at Jesus' feet rather than Martha running around trying to take care of everything. It, It brings us to our knees and keeps us dependent on him. As you trust in him, I encourage you to ask yourself whenever you're tempted to worry, because if you're like me, it happens and maybe even happens often. Ask yourself these questions. Why should I worry when I am worth so much to God and worrying accomplishes so little? Why should I worry when my heavenly father is conscious of my need and capable of supplying Why should I worry about what my father will supply? He's promised it. When instead he's called me to focus on my walk, on my relationship with him. Like it's time for us to stop wiggling and wailing. Lord, help us to keep learning and relearning these truths. 